0: Into jail and it was there that I came to the Lord History Makers with Matt Prater Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater Today we're chatting with Dan Patterson from Questioning Christianity He's an evangelist, an apologist, speaks in schools and universities and churches, does lots of Q&A sessions for all the tough questions Looking forward to hearing him unpack his story a little bit today uh, Welcome along Dan, tell us a bit of your story mate, where were you born
1: and raised? I was born in Melbourne. I'm 100% Aussie, even if my accent now sounds a little bit confused. I grew up uh, down in in Melbourne for sort of five years in uh, sort of eastern suburbs and then moved up to Brisbane with the family where we've been ever since. So I still have AFL in my blood. (laughs) I'm a Carlton Blues supporter, which means I'm well qualified to speak on suffering. Uh, But uh, yeah, we've lived up here in the Sunshine State ever since. And tell us about your faith journey. Were you, were you raised in a religious household? Yeah, mum and dad both believed in God and took us long to church as youngsters. We um, kind of went through Sunday school, learning what you do, moral stories from the Bible and the vague idea that there exists a God who loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And so that was probably the understanding of Christianity I had as, as a child. And uh, we had a pretty big bump in the road, uh, literally speaking. So we were on a family holiday from Brisbane, back down to visit family in Melbourne. And on the way uh, through New South Wales, had a big accident uh, in the Blue Mountains. Foggy day, truck pulls out in front of my dad and he slams into the back of the truck. And so my mum was badly injured during that accident. She was airlifted to hospital, huge head trauma, and they... I had to remove sort of a third of her skull to a craniotomy to be able to stop her from sort of intracranial um, pressure building up and, and causing her to die. And, and so huge brain damage in yeah. the aftermath of that months in hospital, years of recovery and rehabilitation and, mm. And uh, that really torpedoed my belief in God. Mm. My childlike faith in God was shattered by that roadside. And that problem of evil, if God is so good and if he's so powerful, why would he let stuff like this happen? That was Mm. a big rock in my shoe. And so I just couldn't. Uh, make sense of the God thing. I kind of distanced myself from church and anything youth-related going through my uh, late childhood and teenage years. And it wasn't until I left school and started asking big questions about life and who do I want to be and why am I here and what am I going to do uh, that that got me thinking uh, again and maybe open to exploring spirituality a little bit more. And a friend prompted me to think about God deeper and to read the Bible to see whether or not it had some meaningful answers to the kind of big questions I was asking. And it was through making sense of the Christian story, particularly how Jesus revealed to us what God is like, that that's what eventually melted my skepticism. And I found that by the end of reading through the gospels, I just believed in Jesus and something in me had come alive. And I knew that this was real. I knew that this was true, but I still had questions. And so I've spent the last sort of 15 years of my life now wrestling with those sort of big questions and trying to make sense of them through the Christian story.
0: Wow. And was there a big change in your life when you made that decision to follow the Lord?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say morally speaking. My parents had given me a really good moral framework. Mm. I don't think I was a hellion that was so far (laughs) off the rails that I needed to come back and and repent. But there was stuff in my life that certainly plagued the back of my conscience. Mm. Uh, But the biggest difference was just a sense of purpose. Mm. I understood the truth and the truth set me free from meaninglessness or Mm. uncertainty or from wandering around in darkness. And it was a sense of I I know who I am and Mm. why I'm here and what I'm meant to do with my life. And Mm. so that was probably the biggest change from there.
0: And tell us about your career, what kind of work did you do uh, after school?
1: Yeah, well, I uh, am one of the fastest university dropouts in history. I did two weeks of an IT science dual degree <laughs> at UQ before dropping out. Uh, and so I picked up full time then my trade job, which was working in a swimming pool uh, shop. I was installing filtration systems in swimming pools for mm-hmm. the first year and a half. And it was really at the end of that first year out of school that I became a Christian. And so I started figuring out what I want to do next. And over the first 12 months of uh, figuring out how to follow Jesus, the elders at my church tapped me on the shoulder and said, look, we think you're meant to be training for ministry. And uh, so I ended up enrolling and doing an undergrad in theology and then mm-hmm. a master's in theology and just kind of kept going study wise. And, um, and then, probably by the age of 22, I was youth Young Ed's pastor at uh, Ashgrove Baptist mm-hmm. here in Brisbane. I'd love to know
0: a bit about your passion for apologetics. Now, a lot of people don't understand the meaning of that word, but it's basically defending the Christian faith, you know, answering all the tough questions. Yeah. Um, how did you get into that? slant on ministry?
1: (laughs) Well, it started naturally. For me, it Mm. was just trying to make sense of what do I believe and why. Mm. And whenever I had a question, I'd been given by my pastor a list of books to read. I just tried to make sense of this question Mm. for myself, listening to podcasts, reading books, asking people that I thought would be in the know. And so that really grew in me a passion to make sense of Christianity for me, Mm. help connect it to life's deep questions. And then I realized, well, if that's something I need, I wonder if other people need that as well. And as you start trying to talk about Jesus with all my schoolmates who weren't Christians, Mm. weren't vaguely religious uh, for them. They had all kinds of, but what about? And mm. this 1 Peter 3 15, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reasons for the hope that you have and do it with gentleness and respect. Mm. I realized that they're just not going to take my word for things. They mm. want evidence. They want ideas. They want me to be able to show why should I believe that this is true and good news. And so just that desire to want to share Jesus with others and help other Christians do the same. That's kind of what led me naturally. I didn't even know it was called apologetics mm. at the time, mm. um, but that sort of idea of commending and defending the faith is what I became really passionate about, both in my prayer life to see people want to faith and then also in uh, in how I went about having God conversations. Mm. And you've done lots of study overseas as well? Uh, a little mm-hmm. bit. So mm-hmm. I did my undergrad and master's degree here. I did a year um, of graduate study over at Oxford University with mm-hmm. the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics. So mm-hmm. wonderful time of being taught by guys like John Lennox mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, Alistair mm-hmm. McGrath and Os Guinness. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so just a fantastic year. And then kind of come back. That was meant to supercharge my pastoral role uh, and ended up kind of moving into doing that full time, speaking in unis and schools and and churches and Christian networks, trying to help people process these big questions and how to better talk about God in the midst of them.
0: Well, tell us, what are the biggest questions Aussies are asking?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're always twofold. Uh, One is, how do I know that this is real? (laughs) So Aussies are pretty skeptical by nature. So, uh, why should I believe that this is true? And you've always got to be able to give reasons why the God stuff is real. The other one is always on the relevant side of why does this matter? What difference does it make? Why can't mm. I just be happy, go to the beach, drink coffee? Why do I have to even bother with this big God question stuff? And so there are a couple of the big ones, the re- the relevance and then the reasonableness of the Christian story. I found personally probably the biggest barrier that Aussies have at the moment to the, the Christian story or to becoming a Christian is actually Christians. Mm. And so whether it's been the experience that they've had growing up of Christians behaving badly, Uh, whether it's the bad press in history of the skeletons in the church's closet, you know, the kind of stuff that the new atheists' religion poisons everything. Let's look at the Crusades and Mm. the Spanish Inquisitions and the witch trials and these sorts of things. Um, Or whether it's been the really dark, more recent history of the church when it comes to sexual abuse. And Mm. so the Royal Commission here in Australia just brought people face to face with how much pain and how many victims there are Mm. of this institutional abuse. And so for good reason, people ask, if God is so good, why is the church so Bad. And mm. so having to wrestle through how does that fit into the Christian story? Should we expect Christians to be different or should we not be surprised when Christians do bad things? Because that's actually part of what the Christian story says is true of all humans mm. that mm. we're damaged by evil. And so helping people process whether or not Christians behaving badly should stop you from becoming one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, coming back to the, the first uh, question, you know, a lot of people are asking, is God real? How, how, how do you prove this Christianity thing's real? Um, a lot of people don't even believe the Bible is a true book. They don't understand the historicity of the Bible. They don't understand the background of the Bible. What do you say when people
1: ask you, how do you know that book is true? It's a great question to ask. And the honest answer is it's complicated because the Bible is not a book. It's a library of books Mm -hmm. and books of different times. It's written over a large span of history from different authors, all kinds of social strata in different languages, on different continents, in different cultural Mm contexts. And so for a lot of people, uh, reading the Bible is confusing and certainly for us who want to be able to defend the trustworthiness of the Bible or the authority of the Bible, that's not really all that easy to do when you've got so many different kinds of books. What I like to do is actually just narrow the field. You can say, yes, archaeology can verify a lot of the broad shape of the Old Testament, but most of ancient history is lost to us. There's Mm. no way to verify it. We have less than 1% of ancient history available through texts and artifacts. And so what we need to do is find, is there a good authority we can trust that would verify the rest of the Bible? And I think that's Jesus. Mm. And so the way that I come it is if you can believe that jesus was who he claimed to be and that he rose from the dead historically then you are warranted to accept his attitude about the rest of the Bible, that it is trustworthy, true, inspired, and authoritative. And so alongside arguments like fulfilled prophecy or alongside arguments like the transformative effect of the Bible, what I really try and do is hone in on, can we trust the gospels being a historical window into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth? And if you can do that, then you've ended up actually proving, I think, the rest of it as being reliable and true because Jesus put his stamp of authority, Mm. that it comes from God in that way. And so my approach to doing that would be to look at how the Gospels are full of eyewitness testimony and early testimony and testimony that includes embarrassing features that if you were making up the story you would absolutely airbrush out before it goes to print that it includes enemy testimony stuff that people would confirm who don't want it to be true yet it's included in there and one if you can piece together these sorts of criteria I think you can make a fantastic case for the Gospels as being reliable and if mm. anyone listening wants to see kind of a shorthand version of that I've got to talk on YouTube under the why the Bible still matters today uh, or you can pick up a great book by a guy named Peter J. Williams he's a scholar from Tyndale House over Cambridge and he wrote a Can We Trust the Gospels it's brilliant mm. going through many of those criteria I just talked about mm.
0: wonderful oh, what a great response and earlier on in your testimony you shared about you know why does God allow evil and I come across that one all the time whenever I'm witnessing and, and you know sharing my faith with people um what's your response when people ask you that question why does God allow evil, on, you know how, how could a good God let this stuff happen on the earth, you
1: know Yeah one of the things I love about the Bible is that the Bible is not shy when it comes to talking about evil and suffering it's on every page mm. and it's real and deep and complex and so any answer can't just be a silver bullet but there are a number of ways that Christians come at this to help make sense as a total picture and one of them is to explore in the very beginning what was God's desire in why he created this universe And the Christian response has been God wanted to create a meaningful universe where deep and meaningful relationships were possible. That the goal of creating human beings was deep and meaningful relationships, that we're designed to love God and love each other. But a key feature to being able to love is actually this idea of freedom, Mm. of significant moral freedom. It's not meaningful for a robot to say that it loves someone because it's programmed to that end. It has to be love for it to be meaningful. It has to be freely given and freely received. And so in creating human beings, by granting us freedom god essentially opens the door that we can go against the moral grain of his universe you can't create free beings and then force them to do exactly what you want them to do all the time that removes the meaning behind their choice it removes that freedom in and of itself and so the christian response is one thing they call the free will defense that because god wanted to create free creatures who have the capacity for loving and deep relationships that freedom has wrapped up in it the possibility of us going against God's moral design, of us saying no, of us turning our back on God and so doing evil, going against God's moral grain, which leads to our suffering. Mm. And so that's been probably the most meaningful Christian response. There's a whole lot of other ones that go along with it, but that's at least a start for uh, for that sort of a thing. And again, you can jump on kind of YouTube and look up uh, my name and why good God allows suffering or why suffering, and you'll see a bunch of talks on there.
0: Wonderful, mate. Well, we're almost out of time, but I, I just really feel like we should get you to share the gospel because you know there might be people listening to this that have never actually understood what is the gospel and how do they respond Uh, share with our listeners uh, what's the good news yeah
1: the good news of the christian story is that you were made for relationship with god for deeper meaningful relationships and for a role to work with god to bring order out of chaos and beauty in this world but that for this to be possible God had to give us significant freedom. And sadly, human beings, all of us have used that freedom to turn our back on God's good design and instead do evil, sin. And that this sin has wrapped up with it all kind of separation from God. It leads to our suffering. It's corrupted the world that we're in so that now we see so much of the pain and devastation that's around us. We feel alienated from God, from our friends, from each other. And this is so much of the explanation of the darkness in our world. But the good news is despite having done evil and that evil leading to death, God still loved us. He didn't put us away, but instead he kept reaching out to us, revealing himself and ultimately becoming human to show us exactly what he's like and how he feels towards us. And in God becoming human in Jesus, the invisible God made visible, Jesus lived a perfect life of love, showed us what we were made for. And then he also went to the cross to be able to pay for our evil. He substituted himself to die in our place so that at the judgment, our sins can be forgiven, our record be made clean so that we don't have to fake face perfect justice on our own record, but we can stand on Jesus's. And when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, not only did that prove that he was who he claimed to be and that he achieved what he said he would through the cross, but that it also opened up the possibility for death itself to be overthrown. The great enemy, the grand death toll of life can be reversed and there will be a great resurrection where all people will stand judgment before Jesus. Those in long history and those alive today where we will give an account for our lives and anyone who is trusted in themselves and their own record will find the Floor fall out from beneath them. They will face ultimate judgment for the evils that we've all done. But anyone who's put their hope and trust in Jesus instead will find forgiveness and be granted the gift of eternal life. So that rather than being thrown in and having to face death as the wages for our sin, instead we can have eternal life with God in His future world, where all of the suffering, all of the sickness, all of the symptoms of evil will have been removed. And that's the great promise and hope of the Christian story. That
0: is such good news. And you know, if people are listening, that would like to respond. Maybe you want to get your life right with Christ today. Um, I'm happy to uh, talk to you at, at some stage. Send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. Uh, you can go through the website, historymakersradio.com, find the link there to send an email. And we're happy to send you a Bible, information about following Jesus and maybe connect you with a local church. Dan, it's so good to hear all these wonderful responses. If people want to find out more, what's the best website to go to uh, for your ministry?
1: Yeah, well, our website's just getting up at the moment, but it's questioningchristianity.com uh, and we're on all social media platforms, so on, all under QC Socials being the handle. Awesome. People can you look up there. Uh,
0: Dan, I reckon you're a history maker Thanks for joining us Thanks mate If you'd like to hear this conversation again Listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com You'll also find links to all of our social media channels And you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast History Makers is a faith-based ministry And we want to thank everyone for their generous support If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview Send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com God bless, I'm Matt Prater And my challenge to you now is to go and make history